Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, The Cost of Love, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on December 23rd, 2018. Um, but this morning, if you would, grab your Bibles and uh, mark your spot to Philippians. Uh, if you didn't bring your Bible this morning, that's okay. We have extras under the chair. Uh, if you use your iPhone, your iPad, or your Android, I don't know if anybody uses those anymore, but that's okay. <laughs> um, open them up to the book of Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 2 this morning as we continue in our series, as we wrap up the cost of the gift. And this morning, I, I wanted to share with you a little bit. I've had some conversations with some people people over this last week, and, and I asked one of my friends, a, a good friend of mine, he doesn't come to church here, he goes to another church on the east side of town, but I asked him this morning, I said, are, are you ready for Christmas? And it was kind of interesting, his response, I was kind of, um, just kind of puzzled by his response, because he looked at me with this kind of face that I really hadn't seen from him ever before. And, and in that face, if you just kind of picture it, there was a whole lot of emotions. It's almost a, a, a face of uh, fear, maybe, of, of anxiety, of, of worry. I just couldn't figure out what he was trying to express as he just kind of looked at me as, and as he paused for a moment as I asked him that question. And it was interesting, his response to me, because he says, well, you know what? Really, my, my wife takes care of most of that. And then he paused for, for a moment and he kind of moved on to, to go on to say, well, you know what, really, you know, I just, you know, don't get into this time of year because, you know, my wife, she just spends way too much money. You know, she just buys my kids all of these things and I, I just, just, I don't know, you know. And he had these emotions that I could just kind of see on his face that I, I really had never seen before and these expressions that he, that he was sharing. And, and it was kind of puzzling to me getting that kind of a response from him. And I'm not trying to discredit him or saying he's trying to pick on his wife, but I kind of started thinking about that and, and, and I, I could understand the struggle that he was having. You know, because in the season, in this time of year, sometimes we, we lose sight of the reason for the season, right? Sometimes we kind of uh, turn it into more of a secular holiday than it is a Christian holiday. Sometimes we do things that may not express the, the true meaning of, of what we are truly celebrating at this season. So I kind of got it. And I started thinking about this this last week. And, and I remember it as a kid, you know, uh, at Christmas time, it was such a fun time. We grew up with very modest means, you know, we didn't have a whole lot as kids, you know, we didn't get any real extras uh, as kids growing up, but I do remember at Christmas time that my parents really went out of their way to make it a special time, you know, for my mom, it was always happy birthday Jesus, you know, she, she put up a sign and it was, it was always pointing us to Jesus, you know, and she did her very best, she did her very best to, to get us some, some really wonderful gifts, my mom and dad would even go to the extreme, and some people would agree with this or disagree with this, uh, but they would, they would even to the level of they would borrow money. You know, Aetna was our friend, you know. Those finance companies came in handy at this time of year. And, and I look back on it, and as a kid, I, I didn't really understand the heart behind it. I just knew that, that I was getting a gift. I just knew that, that I was going to have something very special under the tree, whether it was a new bike or something. Uh, because again, we didn't get a whole lot throughout the year. We, we grew up pretty modestly in, in some ways. And so we didn't really get a whole lot 
But as I thought about it more and more, and as I thought about my friend and, and his wife, and I know his wife pretty well. I've had some great conversations with her, and I know her heart. Uh, what I came to realize and to think is that even though he was struggling with the aspect of her buying her their kids all of these nice gifts, all these things, uh, I really truly understood her heart behind that uh, because I knew her personally. I know, I know her heart and I know who she is and I know that, that she loves her kids deeply, that she loves them intimately. And I think about my mom and dad and, and they loved us so much. They, they were willing to sacrifice so much to show us this love. They were willing to, to do things to express this love for us as kids, even in the moments when they didn't have the means, even in the moments when they didn't have everything that we would hope for or wish for, um, they still made the sacrifice and I, and I think this season, this time of year, as we talk about the cost of love, as we talk about what God has given us through this gift that we celebrate every Christmas, it's no different. See, it's God's expression of this deep, intimate love for you and I. See, God gave us a gift, and he went out of his way to do this. He did some things that, that were just simply mind-blowing, simply just way above and beyond anything that would ever be expected to give us this gift. And we call his name Jesus. We call him the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. See, God gave us a gift, and this gift is extraordinary. And if you think about the reason behind the season, as you think about kind of what we're going to celebrate and what we're going to do, whether we give our gifts on Christmas Eve or we give our gifts on Christmas morning, what we're doing here is we're, we're celebrating the aspect of giving. We're celebrating what's been given to us. And in our response, we're giving to others to express the love that we've been offered and the love that we've been given. Isn't that true though? When you give a gift, it's an expression of your love. It's an expression of, of, of something that's very meaningful for you to give to someone else that you care about. You know, I know that you know, many years I've had different conversations with different people. And one year, I, I just remember having a, a really good conversation with a really good friend of ours. She's a wonderful lady. And she's the one that I, that I would tell you that uh, she would say, don't rob me of this blessing, right? So one year we were talking about it and she says, hey, so what are you going to get Janice for Christmas? And I said, well, you know, I really was thinking that I'd get her a crock pot. That was kind of the same expression she had right there. <laughs> kind of silence, you know. I was like, wait, what? Did he just say crockpot for Christmas for his wife? What? I did. I said that. And, and I was serious about it. And so I said, I'm going to get her a crockpot. She needs a crockpot. I need to eat. She needs a crockpot. Hey, it works, right? You should have seen the expression on her face. She was so disappointed with me. And so I decided I was going to have a little bit of fun with her in that. And I carried it on for a while. And I, I had her believing that I was going to give her a crock pot. But ladies, don't worry. I put some nice little earrings inside the crock pot to make it right. <laughs> but what she was trying to do is help me to understand that when I give my wife a gift, there's more to it than just giving her a gift. There's something behind it. And, and my friend just wanted me to understand. And she, she fought hard for me in those moments. Not knowing that I was just kind of playing with her a little bit and stringing her along a little bit. She fought hard to help me to understand as someone that loved me and cared about me that, that when I give a gift, that, that it has to have meaning. And there's an expression behind it. And this morning as we look at this passage, 
my hope for you and I this morning is that, that we would see that there was a cost for this love, this gift of love that, that God has given us. And the, the expression behind it, what was done, the heart behind it is something so special and so meaningful that it does, it does cause us to celebrate. It does cause us to give back. See, you and I, we should want the very best for one another. We should want to show each other how important we are to one another because God has shown us how important we are to him. So if you look at our passage today in Philippians chapter 2, the first few verses, I want you to hear what Paul says. He opens his passage up by saying this, starting in verse 1. He says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by doing this, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count, listen to this, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. See, this is why my parents went out of their way to make sure that we had Christmas. This is why my friend's wife is going away to give her kids, going out of her way to give her kids the very best, to give them the things that that she thinks that they need, the love that's being expressed through these gifts. See, this is Christmas. This is the reason for the season. It's about what we give because what we've been given. This is why we celebrate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's everything that God gave us in that moment the child was born. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the gift that was given. Father, in just a couple of days, we'll celebrate the birth of our Savior. Father, we'll exchange gifts. We'll gather together with family and friends. We'll eat food. We'll do a whole lot of things that that, that we have set into motion as traditions in our families, with our friends, in this world. Father, but the heart of that is your son, Jesus Christ. The gift that you gave us. Celebrating the birth. The Messiah has come. And Father, we are so thankful for what you've given us. So this morning, Father, as we open up, our, open up your word and, and as you open up our hearts, Father, help us to better understand the cost of this gift and what it means to love, to love you, to love one another, the way Jesus modeled it for us, what Jesus did for us. Thank you, Father, for your love and your grace and all that you're doing. And I pray that your spirit would speak to us this morning, that you would guide us. Father, that that we wouldn't just love you in word, but we would love you in deed, and that we would just be the people that you've called us to be. Lord, we love you and praise you, and we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Philippians chapter 2, continuing in verse 5, I want to read through verse 11 together. Starting in verse 5, he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God our Father. See, there are a few things in here that we can learn about the cost of love from the example that Jesus gave us as God expressed his love for us. See, the first thing that we see here is that that love is selfless. Again, verses 5 and 6 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. See, what it's saying here, what Paul is telling us is though Jesus was of the same nature of God, he didn't use this to his own advantage. See, this is selfless love. See, sometimes we forget that we are to express love to one another in a way that puts their needs above our very own. Jesus modeled this for you and I. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For by grace... For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself, think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. See, selfless love expresses the value and the importance of another person. That's what God did by sending his son, Jesus Christ. He was expressing his love and his value that he placed on mankind. See, it doesn't fulfill, seek to fulfill our own desires, but it does, does just the opposite. So I want, I want you to see what I think is the greatest picture of a, the definition of, of a Christ-like love in 1 Corinthians 13. Verses 4 through 6, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. But listen to this. But it rejoices with the truth. Amen to that? See, this is the kind of love that we should be giving This is the kind of love that we should be sharing. And I'll tell you, it comes with a cost. See, for for love to be patient and kind, that means that we need to be patient and kind. See, for love to not envy and not to be boastful, that means we've got to be selfless. And we have to think of one another before we think of ourselves. See, this is the example that Jesus gave us about loving It is patient, it is kind, it rejoices in the truth. And if it is, if it's truly what we choose to do as believers, as followers of Christ, if we choose to love the way Jesus loves, then it'll look like this. Love will be serving. See, and I say that because when we love, again, it comes with a cost, but love serves others. Look at verse 7 in our passage. It says that, that Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Again, he humbles himself. God in flesh, Jesus Christ, becomes man. He becomes a servant. See, the one who shares in the nature of, the, of God 
became a servant. And he did it for you and I. He did it to help us to see and to understand this great love that he has for us. See, when you think about how God loves us, you just put your name right there at the end of that sentence. God loves Floyd. God loves Thomas. God loves John. God loves Sheila. God loves fill in the blank with your name. See, Jesus Christ humbled himself. Jesus, the, the God, the Messiah, brought himself to earth. And he came not as someone that says, hey, I'm going to rule you with authority. Hey, I'm going to show you what's what. But he came and said, I am here simply to serve you and to love you and show you what it means to love one another. And so Jesus became man. Came just like you and I. He struggled, he suffered, he went through all of these things that, that you and I go through. I want you to turn with me to the, to the Gospel of John chapter 13. And I want you to look at this picture. I know it's familiar to many of us and it's something that we talk about and uh, think about every now and then and, and it's, a, it's a great little story here that Jesus shares with us. The Gospel of John chapter 13 and I'm going to put a, a couple of the verses up on the screen and they're in your notes but I'm going to kind of look at the whole chapter as a whole. But in chapter 13 verse 3 it says this. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, key verse there, Jesus already had all things, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, verse 4, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. I want you to see this image that they're, they're drawing here for us taking off his outer garments, taking a towel, tying it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Then he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. See, this picture that Jesus is drawing for us is that of a servant. See, he's not, he's not creating another ordinance for the church. You know, this isn't another command that Jesus is saying, hey, you need to do this ordinance and you need to do it often. And I'm not discounting the aspect of us wanting to wash each other's feet, but again, I want us to understand the heart of what Jesus is doing, the cost, the price that, that Jesus is paying to show us and to give us this example of what it means to serve one another, to humble ourselves so that others might be lifted up, so that others might have. Now, I wonder in your mind if you, if you think, why would Jesus do this? Well, I want you to look at verse, starting in verse 12 of the same passage. He says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them this. He says, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example 
that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than their master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. See, Jesus set into motion an example of what it means to love each other in service, to serve one another. See, and again, it's an expression of love. See, Jesus did this as an expression of his love for his disciples. And think about who was in the crowd, who would betray him just shortly thereafter. Think about how Jesus served to give us an example of what it looks like to have a servant heart. See, in verse 1, it tells us, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart of this world, having loved his own who were in this world, he loved them to the end. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a beautiful statement? See, Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the days ahead, and he knew what had to be done. He knew that he had to serve these men. He knew he had to serve us and create this example. See, he served them to the end because his love and our love should be steadfast. See, it should never give up. In verse 8 of Philippians 2, it says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Have you ever wondered why most everything around Christmas is the color red? Have you ever thought about that? We have red candy cane, Santa Claus is dressed in red, we dress in red. Everything is, is, is red, isn't it? It's kind of the theme for the season. Have you ever thought about that? Well, simply, it's because the symbolism and what the meaning of, of the color red is, is that it's Jesus' blood the aspect of the atonement of a savior, the Messiah that would come and shed his blood so that you and I could have eternal life. See, red is the color of Christmas. And there are many people that don't realize that, many people that don't see that. But you and I, we understand that. Because this little baby, this little child, was God in flesh. And Jesus came with a purpose and he came with a plan and he came to show you and I that he loved us, that he cared enough about us to do anything. And this love isn't just this, this simple love of, hey, I love you for now and maybe later on if you do everything right, maybe I'll love you then too. But this love, and I want you guys to hear this, this love is a steadfast never ending, never give up on you, never stopping, you'll never quit kind of love. Even, even to the point of death and death on a cross. See, Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what had to be done. But he didn't stop loving you and I. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? Listen to what Romans 8 Verses 38 and 39 say about this love. Paul says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, I don't like tattoos, but man, I need to be reminded of that and tattoo it on my arm and say, oh yeah, I just fell, but you know what? Even though I messed up, no height, nor depth, nothing at all, in all, did you hear that? In all of creation, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? See, Jesus paid a price so we didn't have to. God's God's love is is just never ending and it never gives up. You know, some people will say, my grandmother at the end of her life, as she started getting older, she used to tell me all the time, she'd say, mijito, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. And all I could respond to my grandma and say, grandma, you know, I, I understand and I know you are, but you know what? God's not ready to take you. God still needs you here. And you know why God still needed her here? Because there is this love that she shared with us all the way up to her her dying breath. This love that only came from a savior that she knew loved her. And it's no different for each one of us here this morning. See, the cost of love, the love that we will share needs to be steadfast, never ending. And no matter what mistakes we make with each other or for each other, we need to continue to love one another in Christ's name. And I tell you what, we're, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. We're going to fall. We're going to say things and do things. But no, no height, nor debt, nothing in all of creation can ever separate us from the love of God. We have to remember that. We have to remind ourselves of that. This is why we celebrate Christmas. It's a reminder because this little baby, the Messiah, the anointed one, came to show us his love. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, there's a few things that it continues to say. One is that when I was a child, I thought like a child. But as I grew up, as I kind of started to understand, I, I start to behave like an adult. And he's simply just saying that, that as we grow in our faith, as we begin to understand the depth of this love that God has for us, we begin to, to love like mature Christians. We get, begin to love like Christ loves us. And we, we show this love, and it's kind of an adulthood. It's an adulting in our faith. And we begin to love each other. And we begin to show each other who Christ is. Then he kind of ends the passage in 1 Corinthians 13 by simply saying this, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And I tell you, I'd have to agree with that. I tell you, everything that I know about Jesus Christ is just simply love. When I read the Old Testament, when I read the New Testament, I see God's love and I see his relentless pursuit, his steadfastness in his love for mankind. You know, there are many of us that say, Jesus, come soon. Jesus, come now. We're ready. And you know what? I I think God is ready to come too. But I think the variable that keeps him from coming today, this hour, is that there are some that sit among us that he loves so dearly that they're not ready for him to come. See, there's people around us that need this hope, this faith, and this love. 
And again, this season, this Christmas season, the reason why we celebrate, the reason why we do what we do is to point others to the Messiah, to the coming Savior, so that they might experience this love. See, God's desire is that all mankind would be saved. This Messiah, the Savior that came, he came for everyone, not just you, not just me, but for everyone. And we should point people to Jesus. Well, as we end our time together, I just simply want to ask you a question. Do you love like Jesus? Is the love that you express a Jesus kind of love? Is it selfless? Does it seek to serve others? And is it steadfast? Does it never give up? I want you to listen to how one of my favorite pastors, if that's fair to say, I have a favorite pastor. I like Jason and Alan and Jeff too, but I like uh, Pastor Adrian Rogers. I don't know if you guys ever listened to him. He's passed away, but he's a great pastor. If you ever want to listen to some sermons online, I'd encourage you to listen to, to Adrian Rogers. He does a phenomenal job of communicating the gospel. He preaches to me, he encourages me. But one of the things that he says in his message about a Christ-like love, he says simply, real love doesn't give us what we deserve. It gives us what we need. Would you agree with that? I mean, I want you to chew on that statement for a little bit. Real love doesn't give us what we deserve. It gives us what we need. See, this is what God did for you and I. He didn't give us what we deserve. He gave us what we need. And the truest picture, the greatest picture of the gospel message comes from John three sixteen and 17 as God gives us what we need. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son what we needed, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, what we deserved, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, God didn't give you and I what we deserve, but he did give us what we need, and that is a savior, a messiah. I want to ask you here in these last few moments, we're going to, we're going to celebrate communion together. We're going to have the kids come in with us. And, and as a parent, if you have a child uh, here with you, the reason why we have our kids come in is because the Bible teaches us that we should teach them. We're we to help them to understand why we celebrate communion, why we do this in remembrance of the blood that was shed, the body that was broken, and all that Christ did for us. Because remember, God didn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we need and we need to remember and we need to remember often the sacrifice that was made for us on that cross on that given day. We need to remember the birth of a Savior, a Messiah that came and walked humbly on this earth, served us and showed us and pointed us to the God that loves us so much. And so in just a few moments, we're, we're going to celebrate communion. And the way we're going to do that is, I'm just going to ask you guys to come down the middle aisles. Um, we're going to have Pastor Allen and Carrie come forward, um, Pastor Jason and Michelle to, to come forward. And they're going to serve us uh, the, the elements for our time together. And then we're going to pray together as the body of Christ. And we're going to praise God for this great love that he has for us. And we're going to remember the sacrifice, the cost of this love that God gave us uh, together as the body of Christ. And the Bible teaches us that 
when we come forward and we do communion together that, that we are to search our hearts that we are, our hearts are to be right in the presence of God and so um, I would ask that as you guys come forward and as you sit there just to meditate and ask God to search your hearts if there's anything right now anything that, that is in the way of, of your relationship with God or if this is a moment for you to make things right not only with God but maybe with somebody else here in the church Maybe there's somebody here that, that, that you have some emotions towards or maybe there's some things that, that, that uh, you just need to make right this morning. I would encourage you to do that at this moment. See, the Bible teaches us that, that God forgives us, but it also shows us that, that we are to forgive one another just like God forgives us. And that doesn't mean, I don't want you to misunderstand, that doesn't mean that God won't forgive you if you don't forgive. It just means that we are to follow the example of God's forgiveness for us and forgive those that are around us, to love those, to serve those, to be steadfast in our love and to be a selfish type of love. And so this morning, if you would, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask you to come forward and then I'm going to pray again and then we'll, we'll celebrate communion together. Father, we, we thank you for this morning. Father, as we remember what you have given us, the gift, the gift of life through your son, Jesus Christ. It brings us joy. It brings us hope. It gives us peace. But most importantly, Father, it shows us your love. This deep, selfless, never-ending, steadfast, giving kind of love that you've modeled through us, for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. This morning, Father, as we come before, as we bow our hearts to you, as we celebrate the birth of our Messiah, Father, I pray that you would just uh, speak to us this morning, Father. If there's something in our hearts, if there's something that's in the way, Father, I pray that you would forgive us for that, that we would confess it, we would openly acknowledge it, Father, that we would lay it at your feet. If we're, if we're, we're burdened by something, if we're, if we're carrying a weight that, that we don't need to be carrying, Father, if there's something that's it's causing hurt in our lives, Father, if there's a, a family member that, that we need to just present to you and give over to you and trust you, Father, this morning, then, Father, that's what we do. We're here to worship you. We're here to, to celebrate, to praise you give you honor and to give you glory and to trust you, to trust you with everything that we are and everything that we have. So Father, I pray in these next few moments that you would guide our steps, that you would help us to come to you humbly, in truth, and in spirit. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.